Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm joined, as per usual, by Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael, they like to debate, deliberate the top aspects of any given topic, and this week's topic is the Mount Rushmore of underdogs. Richard, I'm... I don't think you're going to win this one. I'm not voting for you. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Odds, odds seem like there's odds are stacked against you. Michael's over there. He goes to the rich kids summer camp. He's wearing an ascot. He comes from money. I'm preening. He He's preening. I've just been preening <laughs> yeah. for the last 45 minutes. I saw him in the gym earlier. He's got six pack abs. He's got all the babes. He pulled up in a Lamborghini. So you look at you. You got mustard on your shirt. Your shirt's untucked. Um, I don't even know what kind of you came here. You literally drove your car across the train tracks to get the laptop you're using right now is just a pizza box. That's right. <laughs> Open up. It's not even a real laptop. Uh, but explain to me what you want to deliberate this time around. Um, just uh, underdogs, not just in sports, but also in life. Okay. Cool. What made you pick this one? Uh, I love a good underdog story. Being one myself. Yeah. Try to give myself a little hope. Try to pump myself up a little. Cool, bit. man. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Richard chose it. So it, with his affluence and his breeding and pedigree, Michael will go first. Uh, on, for, I'm going to go with sports as my first topic. Hi, Browntown. It is Hello, Browntown. It is Mike Tyson versus James Buster Douglas <laughs> uh, in February of 1990, where James Buster Douglas... Uh, knocked out Mike Tyson to win the IBF. I don't know. Let me look at the list. The irritable all of them. The IBS. The WBC, the WBA, and the, the IBF He was titles. the undisputed champion. Mike Tyson owned them all, and he had been champion for a long time. Also the VBA, the Video Boxing Association. <laughs> uh, that's funny, because the very last note that I have written is that the... Uh, <laughs> you didn't have Foxy Boxing at that time? <laughs> Not yet. Okay. The ultimate outcome of... Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson was him getting the shittiest video game of all times of James Buster Douglas knockout boxing. Oh, oh yeah, it's which terrible. Was, yeah, I had it. Oh, it you for, did? Oh, yeah, for the Sega Genesis. It was a clone of a game called um, uh, Final Blow, which was just a game, like a Japanese game mm-hmm. that they just changed the name of, redid some of the graphics, oh, and they funny. immediately put it out when Buster Douglas won. And like, you know, Tyson was the champion for a long oh, time yeah, yeah. or he had built up a reputation and built up titles over the, like the last five years leading up mm-hmm. to this fight. And then Buster Douglas wins and, um, they put up this shitty video game. Eight months later, he lost to Evander Holyfield. Oh, right. wow. Buster Douglas. Right. Like, in like his first title defense or something. Yeah, it was it's just his like, first defense. And it's yeah. just like, Oh, thanks video game universe. for. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, um, Buster Douglas was a 42 to 1 underdog. Wow. Going against Tyson, who, even though uh, Buster Douglas was like 6'4, 230, this mountain of a man, mm-hmm. and Tyson is 5'10, trim, but like, you know, just this powerhouse yeah. fighter. Yeah. You know, Tyson was unbeatable. Everyone thought, you know, Iron Mike Tyson, Kid Dynamite was just like, and he was. He was like the greatest heavyweight boxer. Mm-hmm. For that period of time, yeah, he was. He, he wasn't just that he beat people. He beat him in thirty seconds. He beat and he hit you so hard. Destroyed people. He destroyed people. Yeah. yeah. And so, leading up to this fight, there were reports that Tyson was kind of out of shape, but he kind of really wasn't. He was just. He was a guy that did that got into too much drugs and got into a bunch of, kind of like his social life impacted his boxing life, and he kind of 
it feels like he looked past this guy who had a great record himself, was, and he just came in and like it took ten rounds, but he beat Mike Tyson, which has never been done outside of a Fresh Prince mm-hmm. <laughs> song. Yeah. Um, but it was just one of the biggest like sports boxing upsets of all time because mm-hmm. you know even you know it's like an any given Sunday sort of thing with football. At least football teams are kind of on the same level. Right. Weird things can happen. The guy, but Mike Tyson wasn't supposed to lose to this guy. No, no. He was Buster Douglas. James Buster there you go. Douglas was a uh, maybe a notch above a, a journeyman, but certainly not. He was, he was someone who was just there to be knocked out. Yeah, big, powerful dude, but still. He, he had a reputation for being lazy in fights. Maybe not showing up in the best shape. Um, I remember watching this fight on a, it was on HBO. Hmm. I remember watching it with my my whole family. My dad was a big boxing fan. I mm-hmm. was a huge boxing fan, hmm. and so if Tyson fight was on HBO, we were going to watch it. And we all tuned in, thinking, "Great, we're going to get our usual ninety second. You know, some chump's going to get this chump's going to get like the block knocked off." Yeah, and. You can tell that they're trying to get as much of Buster Douglas's story in the commentary as quickly as possible, so that when he gets knocked out, they'll at least have said something about him. And if I remember the story right, his mom had died like at some point in training camp. I read that too. Yeah. Um, so like leading up to the fight, like five or six days before something. It was like a couple of weeks before, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. So he had this kind of extra motivation. And I remember just watching the fight, and and yeah, there had been the like Tyson had been knocked down in in training camp, and in his during his training, um, and I remember watching this fight, and it was just sort of like, huh, I guess Tyson, because sometimes Tyson would do this thing where he would just decide he wants to wanted to box like five six rounds, just to get more of a workout in, or you know, prove that he could go longer. And for for the first few rounds, it was like, huh. He's kind of toying with him a little bit. That's strange. Huh. But he does that sometimes. Three or four rounds in, it's like, wait, he can't get through his jab. Douglas is really hitting him with this jab and like frustrating him. This is interesting. And then Douglas gets knocked down in the eighth Eighth. round. Yeah. And like, you just, you just hear all in my family's house. It's like, oh, because you assume that was it. Yeah. Yeah, okay, he's going to get back up, and he's going to get flattened again. And this thing's going to get stopped. And boy, what a good story this was. But let's be honest, Tyson was always going to beat him. And then the ninth round, he makes it through the round. Ninth round comes. If you ever want to watch a great round of boxing, go on YouTube and look up the ninth round of the of Douglas Tyson. Because Tyson is coming out, and he is basically throwing everything he's got at Douglas. And Douglas fights back. He doesn't just clinch and hold and try and run away from it. He hits Tyson with a couple of shots, and that backs Tyson up. And from that point on, it was almost like Tyson, you can almost see Tyson kind of give up. It was like he threw he threw everything he had at him, did the kid dynamite flurries and combos, didn't work, and you can almost see Tyson just sort of deflate. And then the next round is when he gets knocked out. Compelling storytelling, you guys. <laughs> Jeff is Jeff has been shadow boxing this entire time, <laughs> doing some doing some leg work, doing some uh, rope, He's doing his rope, rope road work, his speed bag. How did he put on four sweatshirts 
<laughs> in that was, amount of time. I was <laughs> in, interested in um, uh, Buster Douglas's first nickname, which was the Desert Fox. Oh, really? I thought Be- that was Rommel. <laughs> yeah, because people knew the boxing he- gym, the people in the boxing gym he was going to in Columbus uh, misinterpreted an en- encyclopedia entry regarding Douglas MacArthur and Irwin Rommel. So they saw Douglas MacArthur and thought he was the Desert Fox. Oh, that's, incredible. that's incredible. And so they called Buster Douglas the Desert Fox. And in the, you know, those, those wild sweeping deserts of yeah, Columbus, of Columbus Ohio. Yeah. And the wiki says, <laughs> Buster Douglas distanced himself from the Desert Fox label, <laughs> uh, often because the clarification... Uh, the clarification regarding the wiki, the wiki article and concern he might be confused with Syrian boxer Gaeth Tefur. Mm. So here is, here is the Goliath of, uh, if, if, if underdog stories are like a David versus Goliath, uh, David is a Douglas and Davis, David are one there. Yeah. yeah. Douglas and Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you, are you, I don't know what the fuck. Okay. What else do we want to talk about with this? Um, a f- you know, one of the, it's one of those uh, underdog stories where the underdog wins. He probably wasn't supposed to win. He goes on to minor fame, loses his very next fight, then balloons up to 400 pounds. Like, this is a guy whose life was that fight, and then that was it. Like, he was in, like, his next fight against, like, uh, Holyfield, uh, where he lost, he made something like 20-something million dollars, or they both did for the fight. And then he lost the fight, put on a ton of weight, then spent the next 10 years trying to figure out what was next for him. He eventually went back to boxing like 10 years later, but, you know, that's all. It's, After- it's, it, it's interesting to see people who, the underdogs that win that obviously weren't supposed to win in the first place, and then their life is kind of like defined by yeah. that moment, and then it's just kind of like, oh, Nothing that you've done after this, unless you maintain that level of excellence, mm-hmm. is yeah means anything. Their win is improbable, and their ability to maintain that level of excellence is also improbable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and and uh, just two real quick things about this before we move on. One, I think it's compelling because you can't fabricate. You can't. It's hard to fluke a boxing victory. You know, sure. Versus unless, the guy, like a, unless the guy was on the take. Right. That's it. Yeah. Or hit just some lucky punch out of the blue. But in the course of like this 11 round fight, I mean, this was not a fluke. He beat him. He was, should have been ahead on all the scorecards at least. So, and it's, that's the compelling part about boxing, right? It's, it's not like a football game where, you know, a team can get a couple of unlucky breaks, you know, fumble or something like that, or, you know, get, get outplayed, but still win. Mm -hmm. The other interesting part is that, uh, this also might up screwing over WWF because they had actually scheduled Mike Tyson to be a special guest referee on the Saturday night's main event two mm. weeks after the fight. Um, he was supposed to be the special guest ref of uh, Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage mm. for the title. And they had to scramble at the last minute and get Buster Douglas. That's so funny. I yeah, didn't know that. They just replaced him. For, they swapped him out. And I, I don't think Buster Douglas, even after the victory, had the same name recognition as yeah. Mike Tyson would have. That's funny. Tyson right. later got into wrestling or got yeah, involved. They, they in wanted to bring him back in for in, WrestleMania, like in the mid late nineties, late nineties yeah. during the Attitude Era. <laughs> what a crap! 
after he did his stint in prison and came out <laughs> to do boxing. Yeah. Sometimes I dream like maybe someday I'll be on Saturday Night Live, be on the cover of a magazine, or like just be invited. Like, what if Quentin Tarantino at the height was invited to be on WrestleMania or something like that? He would have loved it, probably. He would have loved it. <laughs> he did everything else. Okay, man, Freddie. You mentioned this a little earlier. Try to impress me, man, Freddie. Yes. Uh, David versus Goliath. Also on my list. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. And I want to discuss this story. Is this is this one of the things like I saw Freddy versus Jason? Is this like the same thing? Very similar. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I want to discuss this story a little bit, specifically the fact that Goliath takes one rock to the head. Yeah, and then out, and he's he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> if if it wasn't for the fact that he wound up dying and getting his head cut off, I would have said Goliath is on the on the take here. Oh, da- uh, took a dive. You know, it was unfortunate. Was the uh, David knockout slingshot video game for the first Nintendo was terrible too. <laughs> they gave they gave him a video game immediately after, and like it's just you just have to like right, 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 right. Okay, so you think it's a both? Do you think it's a scam? I think it was like. It's just... Well, con- it's biblical. Talk. Oh, sorry, dude. <laughs> the entire thing was one fucking scam. It's, yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. I mean, like, you know, the story of... Well, uh, so David was uh, with the Israelites, and Goliath yeah. was with the Philistines. And uh, so the story is is that the Philistines in this... There's one battle, I mean, X amount of years ago, whatever. He would come... They would send out a champion every night for something like 40 nights or whatever it was. Right. And the Israelites had to send out their champion, and they'd always lose to Goliath. And their king wouldn't go out. Yeah. Saul. Saul, yeah. And so Goliath would come out with his huge spear and his armor, and eventually... Spear and magic helmet? <laughs> spear and magic helmet. <laughs> Is that all more fun? Yo, to, ho, yo. Oh, my God. That, oh, well. Yeah. We went off know. into a... Uh, what's opera doc? <laughs> Jack there for a second. Didn't think we'd get there, but we did. So, and then eventually, uh, much to the uh, protest, I believe, of Saul, David goes out and he's a smaller guy. He doesn't go out with any armor and he goes out with like a single spear and his slingshot and some rocks that he rocks yeah. that he grabbed from the river. And then. Kills him, <laughs> cuts his head off, and brings it back. <laughs> cuts his head off too. That seems a little over the top. That's that's a, that's, that's, a, that's excessive a little, celebration. That's a little extra. In yeah. my mind, Goliath is a giant. Is he not in? Yeah, he's supposed to be like nine feet tall. So oh. is Saul, by the way. Saul is supposed to be also a giant. That's how you know all of the Bible is liars. These people yeah. are ten feet tall, colossus people. Yeah. Uh, what was Davy and Goliath? Was the claymation? <laughs> type yeah, of that thing? was the. the Oh, Davy! Yeah. yeah, there were the. Uh, I never had the Bible Channel that that was on, or whatever that. That, that was, was never playing. Sub independent channel. Okay, yeah. okay, on the UHF. Yeah. Dial. Okay. Okay. Um, then you each have that. So, Michael, what? Richie, Richie can go again. Okay. For a second, I can, and I'm going with the Miracle on Ice. Ah, I, I okay. assumed you would. Yeah, this was. For me, this this is actually my first memory, is of this, of watching. Now, I the saw the Ice Capades production of the Miracle Worker. Is this a different thing? 
lots that's, of people. That's the one that no, this is that's the one with Dave. This one, Helen Davey. Keller slammed that's, up against the glass. Yeah, I was going to say that's that, that, that that's a lot of people like just falling. Yeah, okay. basically is what the miracle worker on ice is. I apologize, I cut you off. Okay, no problem. Yeah, for, for that kind of humor. for that kind of great joke. Yeah, I got to make room for that. Yeah. Jeff. Miracle on Ice. Miracle on Ice. Nineteen eighty Olympic men's U.S. hockey team uh, defeating the so- the mighty Soviets four to three. Um, to not win the gold medal necessarily. Everyone thinks that they won the gold medal with that. They actually had to play one more game against, I believe it was Finland that they had to play. Oh, I thought it was that. Yeah, uh, no, there, uh, there was, that was actually like the semifinal mm-hmm. game. Did they okay. win the gold medal? They did win the okay. gold medal. Because yeah. that would have been a real bummer. Bust, that would have been a real Buster Douglas situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they had managed to get all fat and lazy like in the two days <laughs> in between the games. Um. This was literally my first memory is of them playing Czechoslovakia, and I would have been four at the time. And I remember watching this as one of the preliminary games, and Czechoslovakia was supposed to be like the, basically the second best team in the tournament. And the U.S. just absolutely rolled them like seven to three or ten to three or something like that. And I remember after the game, I was super excited, and I remember telling my, my dad, well, if they just beat the second best team in the world by that much, they should be able to beat the best team in the world too. And my dad just kind of chuckles, like, no, son. That's you, not fool. How you fool. You fool. You little Do you idiot. think that David could have beaten Goliath with a single <laughs> single sling to the head? That's, your, that's how your dad talks. That's dumb, how my dad talks. Exactly. Were you, you a damn fool. You a simpleton. Did you grow up in my house? <laughs> little man, Freddy, what do you think is going to happen? But, so I remember, I, I have a distinct memory of that, because no one, nobody thought, the U.S. was going to stand a chance. These were all college kids yeah. or guys playing in the minor leagues versus this Russian team, the Soviets, who were all part of the army, mm-hmm. quote, air oh. quotes. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they were all highly paid professionals whose job was to play for the national team. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, if you go back and watch, there's a lot of, Joe, Joe Posnanski, who's a, uh, a uh, very good writer did a story uh, a few years ago about 10 interesting facts you probably didn't know about the Miracle on Ice. My favorite fact is the only celebrity who was in the arena that day in Lake, in Lake Placid, Jamie Farr. Really? And they keep cutting back to Jamie Farr <laughs> cheering the team on. Hey. And they don't even have to say, like, Jamie Farr, like a yeah. little Chiron or anything. The announcers don't even have to mention it. It's just assumed that everybody knows Gene, yeah. that's Klinger. Oh my yeah. God. Klinger's at the game. This must be a big deal. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but this game, obviously there's been a lot talking, you know, there've been movies made yeah. out of this. I mean, it was, it went beyond 1980. It went beyond just a, a sporting event. It really was in a lot of ways. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I buy that sort of, Oh, it, it it really turned the American people around because they had been so depressed about the economy and all mm-hmm. of this. It was just a hockey. It was just a hockey game. Yeah. I mean, let's. I think. I think in hindsight, we want to try and give things more significance. Oh, than of they, course, they especially, have. especially during the Cold War. You want to anytime you can feel like you're getting a leg up, and then can kind of rewrite history with how important it was to beat the Russians. On the, it's like. Yeah. Oh, okay. The, the the narrative tells itself. It I, literally was just a hockey yeah. game. That's what I liked about the, the Winter Olympics, not even the Summer Olympics. That would have been field hockey, I believe. Yeah. 
the think, most important mm-hmm. Olympic sport, field hockey. You think at the end when he, when the coach of the American team gets hoisted on the shoulders and starts saying, if I can change, you can change, <laughs> everybody can change, yes. we can all change. I that was very moving. Scene, yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, I, I don't have much more. I mean, I, 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 I just remember being older, like six or seven, and I, my mom would yell at me because I would roll around in my roller skates in the or kitchen with a broom and a ball and reenact. And short shorts. And short shorts, because <laughs> it was 1982 <laughs> at that point. And reenact scenes, for, or, yeah. or reenact moments from the game, mm-hmm. like in my... In my kitchen, yeah, like you know, in like regular hockey, when like the U.S. was down three nothing, and they scored a four point goal, yeah, from right. across the <laughs> rink. Is that? Is, oh, I think my mom. Can was, you do that in hockey? I think my mom was mainly mad because I used to cross check her into the boards. <laughs> so today it's just you versus Russian bots hacking your Facebook. <laughs> the greatest, yeah, remember, American win. <laughs> yeah, remember when the Soviets were like easy to hate, but they really didn't do that much to us. Yeah, <laughs> other than be really good at sports. Yeah. Now they do shit. Well, speaking of David and Goliath, if you go to uh, audibletrial.com forward slash Rushmore, you can download and listen to, for free, forever, David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants by Malcolm Gladwell and Hachette Audio. I don't know what that second part is. But you can download this and you can give a tryout to Audible for one month. And Audible is good if you have an iPhone. An Android, an MP3 player, a Kindle, just about any device, a cassette recorder, a Teddy Ruxpin, an 8-track. <laughs> right. If you're listening to this podcast uh, on, a uh, machine. On, on a Teddy, Teddy Ruxpin, Teddy Ruxpin. Uh, you are my favorite person. I am your best friend. I want to kill you, Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, uh, you can listen to it, all those things. Uh, what is that, that that mystery date game or something where you put a cassette in the little thing yeah. it's got the pre-recorded? <laughs> Yeah, okay, I've gone off script. Okay, anyway, back. You can uh, try it for 30 days. If you don't like it, ditch it. We don't care. We got your money. Oh, God, did I say it? Yeah, yeah. you said that out loud. Oh, that shit. Was, that, was, that was in parentheses. Well, I should say you will be helping the podcast a little bit if you do go try the Audible trial. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Rushmore, and you are helping us out just a little bit. And here's the thing. You'll stick with it. you stick with it. Because it's so good. You're going to love it. Yeah, you're, you, you will love it. Yeah. Legit. I mean, if you got, you, you know... Get it now so that you've got it. You can start loading up on books for your big holiday commutes you got coming. Yeah, up. we're coming up on the, coming up on the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Good call. You're gonna you're gonna need some stuff to listen to, and this is legitimately a great way to be able to get audiobooks and things. And like you know how your handwriting degrades after a while when you don't practice your handwriting. So does your literacy. So pretty soon you won't be able to read anymore. So you might as well get used to hearing your books through your headphones. <laughs> My point was just as good as yours, Richard. Yeah, I was. <laughs> okay. So uh, so you, yes, try, try it, audibletrial.com forward slash Rushmore, and tell them Richard sent you. Also, um, you can try out other podcasts. You can try out podcasts like this one. Tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here, your host Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not so classic monster movies. Subscribe to 
Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher. Or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Bryce, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio! Oh, that's funny. Uh, also, you can participate in a deeper, deeper way. You can go deep into our podcast uh, by going to Facebook and checking out the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, go into the bunker. Go into the bunker. <laughs> into the archives. <laughs> you know what? We're challenging you. Uh, we're, we're the Davids of podcasting, and there's so many Goliaths out there. You could listen to the Good Joe Rogan podcast. You could do all that stuff, or you could help us out. Uh, by leaving reviews and helping us rise up in the ranks and take on those big kid rich camp podcasts. We're the slobs. They're the snobs. We want to take them down a peg. Okay, we're back. Um, let me tell you what's what's going on here, folks. Michael is sitting here. He's got some caviar. He's got a blonde-haired girl named Muffy fanning him. He's wearing... Um, prep- I said 12 <laughs> fan strokes. Yeah. Per minute. He's yelling at this poor, not confused la- not girl. Not more, not less. <laughs> and Richard, he's just sitting in like some some camo shorts and a funny floppy hat, and he's wearing a Zeppelin t-shirt. And Yeah, like whatever. Yeah. Um, but he's the underdog, and um, we're all rooting for him. And Michael, too. Except for Michael. Except for Michael. Okay, so Michael, what's your third? My third choice is that fucking pig, Babe. Ah, from the movie Babe. Babe. This pig, this sweet, gentle, kind pig. This is Babe from the movie Babe. Yeah. Also Babe (laughs) 2. Also Babe Babe 2. Babe babe in the City or something like that? Pig in the City. Pig in the City. Pig in the City. But in the original Babe, he is brought in to be a sheepdog to Farmer Hoggett. Oh, yeah. The James Cromwell character. Mm -hmm. um, To... uh, Farmer Hoggett's dog uh, gets injured in some sort of storm. Falls like, in a wood chipper. <laughs> all that's left <laughs> is his tail. <laughs> and like the tag of his collar. Uh, the dog's like loses his hearing. And Farmer Hoggett uh, is um, someone who takes his sheepdog to sheepdog shows to chase sheep around and herd them into different things and he gets this wild idea and participate in the cocaine orgies that happen <laughs> at night at those things i'm just assuming this is my fan fiction oh there's a lot of pig fucking <laughs> there's a lot of pig and he gets this wild idea that he's going to train this pig yeah to do the work of a sheepdog much to the chagrin of the sheepdog yeah much to the chagrin of the dog his wife the geese oh the, yeah everyone else everybody this pig is seen as less than to the dogs yeah he is nothing more than future meat, basically. Yeah. But Farmer Hoggett sees something in him. And just <laughs> like in every Air Bud movie, he takes this pig to the sheepdog things, and he looks in the rules and says, and it sees that the dog does not have to be a dog. 
and he takes this pig up. And this pig, he herds them sheep. Yes, very politely. Yeah, not by being, not by being mean, not by barking, but just by being gentle. Yeah. And asking the sheep very nicely, would you do this and that? Mm-hmm. And what proceeds is two minutes of the most incredible cinema moment. Yes. <laughs> it's nearly silent. Yeah. As these sheep are just walking across the screen, led by this pig. And uh, James Cromwell is just standing there with his hands on his cane, silent. Yep. And he herds the, he herds the sheep around. They, they go like in a two-by-two two line, basically. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. perfect perfect lineup and then the most incredible mic drop moment is when the sheep all get herded just walking very calmly into the pen and like james cromwell like slowly closes the pen door and he does like this small like nod to camera like the small head move where he's like and that's it and then closes it it's like this mic drop and everyone like the audience explodes his wife is watching on TV and she is so embarrassed up until then she can't believe it her Mm -hmm. world is ruined everyone expects this pig to fail and of course yeah the the underpig and then after after that the pig directs the sheep to uh, go attack the audience (laughs) people didn't realize that the sheep actually had Michael's been watching a lot of great British baking show and like a lot of stuff (laughs) I've, I've loved Babe as a movie since yeah. when it came out. Yeah. I, like, super underrated. Amazed that this movie was also nominated for Best Picture. Um, mm-hmm. Written by George Miller. And directed too, right? No, no, no. Someone else. He directed the sequel. Oh, okay. But, um, but he, yeah, the guy, but, yeah, the guy from Mad Max. The guy from Mad Max wow. wrote the movie about the gentle New Zealand pig. <laughs> I, I'd like pig. to know, because this is being televised. Because they show the animals back at the farm and, and the the wife watching this. Yeah, just what what is going on on New Zealand television? Nothing. That's just this. This is yeah. literally this is on every channel. This yeah. is there is literally no no other things to watch. In New if you Zealand. look at their calendar, it's just like empty. <laughs> What's going on, New Zealand? They're just waiting for 1999 and for. Uh, for the Lord of the Rings films yeah, to be filmed. Just uh, they've just around. cleared the slate for yeah. Peter Jackson for about five years. We're like, yeah. okay, let's build up all twiddling, this stuff. Twiddling for Taika Waititi to come around and <laughs> right. direct a Thor movie. Uh, so what what attract, like, what's, what's so, is it just because the the underdog is not a dog even? He's not even that, he's the underpig in this. And he does it in such a gentle way. Yes. Unassuming way. Yeah. Yeah. It's that it's that this is someone who shouldn't well, he shouldn't even be you know, yeah. this is the class I shouldn't even be here. Mm-hmm. He has no business doing any of this, but he's just this nice pig that some that this farmer sees something in. Yeah. And that's always seem there always seems to be an underdog quality of they're not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. This isn't their arena. They're definitely not supposed to yeah. win. Yeah. And he does. And he does it in a way that is unexpected, you know, mm-hmm. be it a single pebble to take down Goliath in his forehead. Yeah. It's a pig that's gently asking these sheep to mm-hmm. walk around the mm-hmm. pen and do it in yeah. a way that, n- that none of the other sheepdogs do. And I think, I think that those are the two aspects. It's the unexpected and it's the, um, you know, out of place. Mm-hmm. And definitely doing it based on just nobody thought to just kindly ask before. <laughs> yeah. this, if this sheepdog would have done that, it would have gotten a lot farther. So. There's, I think there, there's a great, yeah. <laughs> there's a great moment earlier in the film where Babe is, tries to emulate the sheepdog. 
mm-hmm. and he tries being like loud and yeah. angry, and these sheep are just like, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, you're not, don't, you're not this person. Don't try to be. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, the yeah. farmer asked me to do this. She's like, well, why don't you ask nicely? And mm-hmm. He's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and then that's like, oh yeah, of course, the dogs know how to be dogs and. Yeah, when the pig tries to be the dog, it's gonna fail. So I love the, stay the, in your lane, pigs. The stake, the stakes there are so is life or death because this pig he's gonna be ham. <laughs> the stakes are ham. Stakes. Yeah, here they are ham stakes. <laughs> this uh, for some reason I doubt I don't know if any of you would have chosen this, but maybe it's the the kind of pastoral setting. But have you seen Cold Comfort Farm? Yeah, nineteen ninety five. It's a great movie. Yeah, it does have all these. Um, very like Bronte esque kind of gothic kind of archetypes uh, who confront this young woman who comes to this farm to to meet. She confronts the brooding patriarch, the brooding matriarch, the brooding preacher, the the swarthy stable boy, and each point she just kind of very deftly outwits them. So she wins like Babe does by her wits, not by any kind of might or anything like that. The, uh, okay, so Richard, what do you got? That'll do, Michael. That'll do. That'll do. Um, I've got the... Who is this upstart? Who is this upstart? <laughs> my, I will go with the second of my two sports choices. Um, and this is Leicester City winning the 2016 Premier League soccer title. Or as uh, they call it, football. Um, they were 5,000 to one underdogs. Oh, my God. When the season started. Wow. Just a little bit of context on that. Um, in 2013, the bookmakers gave Bono a 1,000 to 1 chance to be named Pope. <laughs> so they were five times, Bono was five times more likely to be the Pope mm-hmm. than this team was well, to win the Premier League. Do you um, think Bono's still in the running to be Pope? Still, he could still be Pope. Well, you know what? If, if he, he does a lot of humanitarian yeah. work. He hasn't diddled any kids that we know of, so that, that, that kind of shoot him right up the list. He's got those cool glasses. He's got too. those cool glasses. And you know what? He might be on the cover of O Magazine this month. So that's there doing the go. unbelievable. O Magazine or Pope Magazine? Pope Magazine. <laughs> so Leicester City had almost been relegated the year before. Which what does that mean? The bottom three teams in the Premier League, which is the top league, uh, get sent down basically to... Triple A. The minor league. The minor league. Okay. And the top three teams from... The minor league. The minor league get promoted oh. up to the Premier League, mm-hmm. which is something I would love in sports here in the U.S. I mean, I know it will never, ever happen, but how awesome would it have been for like you know the Bears to get relegated out of the NFL or something like that? Or the Royals. Sorry, Scott, but yeah. they probably could get relegated out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so Lester had really had this incredible escape at the end of the season where they were almost sure to be relegated and they won like three or four of their last games and just barely missed out being being relegated. So that's why the odds against them were so long. And the other reason is... Oh, the season previous. The season previous. So that's why the odds were so long coming into that season. And the other reason is, um, I will explain it by reading to you the list of the past 20 winners of of the Premier League for the season before, leading up to that season. This is where Richard's going to basically do a lot of Command C and Command V. <laughs> yeah, it is. <clears throat> You're going to read 20 names of soccer teams. Manchester United, All Manchester right. United, Arsenal, Manchester United, Manchester United, Manchester United, Arsenal, Manchester United, Arsenal, 
Chelsea, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester United, Manchester United, Chelsea, Manchester United, Manchester City, Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea. Those were four teams. That was a Pet Shops Boys song. (laughs) (laughs) Those were the lyrics. Pretty much. Yeah. So So what was that? Within the the previous 20 years, there had been a total of four teams that had won the the league title. Mm -hmm. So... um, what was when they played the championship game against who do they beat in the championship game to win that league championship? They do not have a championship. That's game. okay. They actually just go through the regular season, they play their 38 games, and whoever has the best record at the end of it is the champion. That is so awful. That is so, <laughs> <laughs> it is such a why is that awful? Yeah, explain this because there, because there you go, because you're done. Because seems very civilized. What if, what if you're a few games up going into the last few games of the season? Then you win the title. I guess so. Like I, 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 I understand that you're much more of a soccer fanatic than I am. How many qualifying teams would go into the finals if you were up to you? Would it be how many, six? How many teams are in the league? Uh, there are what twenty. So you take the you take the top four. You oh. take the top six or whatever you do. So a, it wouldn't be somebody could be kind of the. They perform kind of middling, right? And they you made s- it. You take the top teams, then okay. you like in, in every other sport there is a yeah. now a college bracket. You know, to, even yeah. within the World Cup, there is a bracket or the World Cup of Soccer. There's a bracket that leads to upsets happening mm-hmm. and the best teams playing into a champion. You have to be, you have to beat the champion. I, I get it. I'm also being kind of just a dick now. Yeah, you are a little bit because I remember us talking about this a few years ago whenever right. this happened. But like the idea that there isn't a championship game that the season just ends. You want a Super Bowl. You want a, a Super playoffs. Bowl of soccer. You want this in, in every sport, or at least every American sport. You want there to be something that is definitive of. Maybe there is the team that is isn't as good coming in, but playing their best at that time. Mm-hmm. Maybe what is it, Leicester City? Yeah. Maybe they were playing their best throughout the end. Uh, That's fine. Yeah, having a championship game puts a no doubt about it sort of mm. pin on it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I'm not, this isn't to take away anything from them. It's just like, I know that this is how these soccer leagues operate. Yeah. It's just kind of like, okay, well they have a winner because they won the most games. And that's like, uh, uh how, was there something conspiring to make those other teams weaker? No, there or? really wasn't. It was just that lesser city just, they've, Caught lightning in a bottle, and I will say this as a counterpoint to you, Michael. I appreciate this model because it allows the best team wins. It is not the best four teams get in, and then whoever happens to get hot at the end of the season is going to win. Right. This rewards 38 games. Whoever's We don't need to play more games. We've played 38 of them. We can ID who the best team is at this point. And you've got other stuff. You've got relegation happening. There's always That always comes down to the last day and mm. other stuff. So it's not like it's devoid of drama necessarily. Yeah, yeah. But they did things like uh, they found this guy, Jamie Vardy. <laughs> I think Jamie Farr was in the crowd. Jamie Farr was in the crowd. He was on the team. Isn't that weird? He was on the team. Jamie Vardy. He was playing in his, playing in his a lovely sundress. <laughs> 
Jamie Vardy was uh, started his career uh, a decade before playing for the Stocksbridge Park Steels FC in the uh, seventh division, the seventh division of English soccer. Basically, eight divisions below. Boy, Jeff is so bored. <laughs> Jeff is so bored with hot soccer. I'm talk. just imagining chimney chimney sweeps from. Uh... <laughs> Mary Poppins playing soccer. He had basically started like in the lowest of the low yeah. minor leagues and had played his way It'd up. Be like rec leaves softball here, and it, then he's playing in the major in leagues. In the major leagues. That's yeah. exactly what it was. And he went on this like record goal scoring streak. I think he scored in like 11 straight games wow. or something like that. It was just this fabulous con- con- conspiring of right players at the right time with the right manager. And what year was this? This was 2016. Oh, so cocaine had been around for a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I love the way you say cocaine. 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 Michael Cocaine. Michael Cocaine. Michael Cocaine. And I think there's part of it that I, I do love this because not only was it so improbable, but I love that idea that they, they couldn't just like back into the playoffs like as a wild card, be nine in, like an NFL underdog. Where you can be like nine and seven, get into the playoffs as a wild card, and then just get hot for three or four games. This was a reward for a whole season of defying expectations. Right, right on. Did they have a song? Uh, I believe it was Leicester City. Just one guy clapping. Night. Okay. Michael, the final. Choice you have is what? Richard Mention. Richard Manfredi. <laughs> Richard Manfredi. He is the big underdog. Hey, <laughs> underdog. He's part of this. Oh shit. Okay. Uh oh. Richard Manfredi mentioned miracle. Uh oh. In the winter of two thousand six. <laughs> I know. God. We're going there. Our this personal <laughs> scrappy, crummy kickball team. Oh, the ninjas was terrible. Oh, wow. We had a record of three and five. Everyone makes the playoffs or whatever. Yeah. You, know, you enter the playoffs. We beat the number three team. We beat the number two team. Oh, that's awesome. The night before we were supposed to play the number one team in the championship game, Scott Jones, former guest of the show. Captain of the Captain team. Captain of the team. Owner. Sat team you owner. and me and Ashley down, and we watched Miracle to prepare. <laughs> to play red rum right and eventually win one to zero in our garbage uh rec, rec league kickball uh, championship i believe that scott jones actually used the speech from miracle he did he's a hack scott jones is a hack. <laughs> um the game started out with richard manfredi here performing what is known as now colloquially known the superman freddy of kicking the ball out he was playing catcher and he kicked the ball to first base to get the fastest runner, which set the tone for the game. It did. As soon as that happened, Clark Hill was out, and the rest of the team was deflated and humiliated. <laughs> and we went on to win one nothing. And you got the win as the pitcher, I believe. Probably. The last out of the game was made by Tyler Foster in short left field. He ran and caught the ball. This nerd of a kid. Who went on to be this? Who went on to become a Goliath of a person in all <laughs> respects? Yes, but uh, the personal underdog story, the personal triumph of that night was so amazing because we were not good. <laughs> Everyone on the team was pretty mm-hmm. 
mediocre or bad yeah. or just whatever. There was the lack of strategy throughout the season that we tried to cobble together to play rec league kickball is whatever. Yeah. But then somehow we beat the team that was more athletic. That right. was the number one team in the league at the time. That They're they, kind of arrogant. Air, I think that's what comes down to. Uh. Rich, uh, Jeff, you've been humorously describing me as the blonde guy with a collar popped riding yeah. in, in my Ferrari. This is how the other team felt. Yeah. And we felt like the nerd camp across the mm-hmm. river, across the lake that was just always trod upon. Yeah. We weren't very good, but we turned... We caught that lightning in a bottle for a few weeks mm-hmm. of playing adult rec league kickball. Yeah. And it was just like one of those like, oh, this is weird. This is I've never felt this sort of personal triumph of something so stupid, but something so magnificent in the moment. I before the game, I handed out glasses of champagne to the other team and our team. Mm-hmm. Uh I wrote the words not poison (laughs) (laughs) on the glasses. The other team wouldn't take it. What the hell? I couldn't believe it. Yeah. They did not believe. I I don't know if they didn't believe, you know, it was all a joke, but like, obviously it's a joke. Yeah. It was all poisoned. It was poisoned. But those personal underdog, like we should, you know, we're just dopey dopes in our mid-20s playing a garbage game. Yeah. And it's such a wonderful feeling when like that comes together and you're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then we won next the next season too. Yeah. Not we, to not to humble brag here. And we, I we won I, three out of four seasons. I mentioned yeah. that we won in the next season because we actually were good the next season. Like we came in second. We were second place after the regular season that was over. We were first so, place. Were you? Yeah. Is, is, did we? I'll pull up the doc. Yeah, pull up the doc. And you go into Google Docs real quick. Yeah, Michael has a Google Doc for everything, including yeah. all things awesome. Helicopter but anyway, adventure. so it's like. But like, it was like almost like something clicked on the team. And then like the next season is like, oh, we can actually be good. Then we went out and we're actually good. Mm-hmm. We didn't actually upgrade the team at all that, that much. Psychological. I remember. Yeah. So something psychologically clicked with the team. Like you downloaded kickball, like Neo uh, downloads yeah, Kung Fu. The worst, worst download <laughs> ever. No, you're right, Richard. We were, we were uh, third in the league with, at six and two. Yeah, so we went Going from into the playoffs. three and five to six and two. Yeah. So something clicked. Yeah. Scary ghost edition. Mm-hmm. Richard, what's the last one? Oh, I, you know, I'll, Sorry, I'll bring up a quick okay. uh, underdog kickball thing with you too, Jeff. Because at some point... <laughs> I know what this is. Yeah, we were talking about it the other day. At some point, a year or so later, we were playing in another league. Oh, yeah. And I had put together a team of... The best team. Yeah. The Hope Olympians, yeah. The Hope Olympians yeah. uh, of players from a bunch of other different teams. It's, it's like basically when the NBA... Uh, summer Olympic basketball team. Right. I, was, I thought you were going to say the Warriors when they suddenly had Kevin Durant and no, Steph it's, Curry. No, it's like it's like when it's like when you get like the best players from all the different NBA teams, and then you go into the Summer Olympics and you just you crush just, Angle. Yeah, yeah, crush everyone. We played your team, which was basically a one-to-one transplant. Yeah, it was the, the same Trey thing. Stafford yeah. explosion became the Bob DeRosa apocalypse. Yeah. Bob DeRosa, former guest of the show, yeah. and. In the semifinals, you guys beat us. I don't remember what the score was, but it was like... By a run. I don't remember. It was. I'll have to look I it up. I remember these things. But you guys beat us, and I remember it being like, 
the opposite feeling oh, yeah. of being the scrappy underdog. It was like the gloating, the way too good team. Preening assholes. Yeah, we, we became, <laughs> yes, exactly. We became the preening assholes. Uh, and then we lost in the semifinals to you guys uh, who eventually went on to win the championship versus another oh, team that night. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was just one of those like, oh, oh, I oh, can yeah. take this all for granted. Yeah. And this can all go away instantly oh, yeah. within a year. Yeah. And had that feeling of, Oh, I, well, I shouldn't feel. I okay. I shouldn't I, feel this way. I guess. I remember feeling that with the wind too. Was like this was so. Like I think it was Spitz was on. Was it Crack Me or, or I forget what team that was that it we was. It was Acme, Acme or Crack yeah. Me or something. Yeah. I remember thinking the wind. I was went into that final game so ready to. Well, one, I liked your team better than our team because I was mad that I was the captain of our team because I wasn't supposed to be, uh, <laughs> and I didn't want to. I don't know. I, I, I liked you guys had a theme. All I mean, this we, kind dre- of stuff. we dressed up as a combination of hobos and Olympians and, and did hobo yeah, Olympians. Did sports. not. We, we, we treated the game like yeah. pretty badly. We, the, we, had, assholes. we had a, we had a, a person on third base with a pie sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And then a hobo would try to turn around, you know, running, rounding third would try to steal the pie. Yeah. It was the win- from the windowsill. I would have much rather put intellect towards having being, having creative fun than winning the game. But I remember at some point I had people on my team say, we got to figure out how to, you know, win. You know, like, ah, I don't know. One, I don't know. <laughs> and I have no idea. So if you have any hints. The, uh, my main memory of that game is actually that we had a cooler full of uh, ice water that we had brought to the game that we were going to, in our, because we were in our presumptuous dick way, we were so sure we were going to win the championship that we wanted to dunk you in a ice water yeah. shower, and then we lost. So then we did it anyway. Yeah, I still got dunked <laughs> with ice water, and I had to go and ump the next game. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Um, Richard, your final final one is Jimmy Carter oh. uh, winning the 1976 presidential election, and even more specifically is Jimmy Carter winning the uh, Democratic National. Uh, uh, party's endorsement becoming the Democratic candidate because he was a nobody. Uh-huh. He was. I didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't was, realize. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was the governor of Georgia. Georgia at the time, but he had basically no standing in the national mm-hmm. stage. It would be like any gov- random governor from Utah, yeah, trying to run today or something like that. You know, who has no. No name, no value, no name value, no name recognition. In fact, the uh, local newspaper, I think it must have been the Atlanta paper, when he, de- when he declared he was going to run, he ran the headline, who is it that's running for what? Oh, wow. <laughs> so you know that's, a, that's a, your campaign's off to an iffy start at that point. Yeah. But they, this was actually the first year of the modern primary camp, uh, format where the delegates to the convention were actually you know, dependent on who won each primary, who won each caucus. Mm. In the past, that had actually played a much smaller role in it, and it was still a lot of the back kind of backroom dealing and stuff like that. The party officials still chose. Who still would. chose. I mean, the, the delegate counts would kind of inform it. But So this was the first year that it was really driven by the delegates, and if you had enough delegates, you could win. And Carter was the only person on the Democratic side who realized this. So he actually 
campaigned like a modern campaign like we would think of. That's interesting. Going to Iowa first and trying to do well in that caucus, do, do well in the caucus. He actually technically won, although he finished second to uncommitted. <laughs> wow. Yeah, by three to one margin or wow. something like that, uncommitted beat him. But he was the first one to go to New Hampshire and go to Iowa and make that important because he needed to get his name out there. So if he did well in those prim- mm-hmm. the early caucus and primaries, then he would have that name recognition that he didn't have. And he would also pick up these delegates. Mm-hmm. And people kind of didn't take a lot of, still didn't put a lot of stock into him until he had won like seven or eight mm-hmm. primaries. And people started to realize, oh shit, this guy could actually win this yeah. thing. Mm, that's fascinating. And there was a uh, movement, anybody but Carter, uh, primarily out in the western states, because they thought since Carter was from Georgia, he would be a very conservative uh, Democrat, and they wanted someone who's more liberal. So that's why Jerry Brown wound up wound up coming into the race late and running. But at that point, by the time he came in, uh, there had been so many primaries and, big, and things. Big Mo. Wow. Big came Mo in. hit, yeah. Um, I don't know what, what what's that mean. There was this gigantic person named Mo. <laughs> that they called Big Mo. Big Momentum. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought it was gigantic. It was nine foot tall, right? Very then, similar to Goliath. Then Carter, they him Big Mo. Carter hit him with a slingshot. He had a peanut. <laughs> yes, in that slingshot, <laughs> and he took him down. Took him right down. And you know he won the uh, he won the nomination, and then wound up beating uh, mm-hmm. Ford. Uh, in the uh, general yeah. election, and he was just somebody who came out of a peanut farmer, well, know, essentially. Yeah, came out of nowhere, and and, and mm-hmm. we'll we'll never see someone again no. come out of nowhere and uns- no. and shockingly win the presidential yeah. election. Listen, I Oof. guarantee that the post-Trump presidency is not going to be forty years of building homes for the homeless. Yeah. Literally, it is going to be the opposite of that. It's yeah. going to be kicking people out of his shitty apartment buildings yeah. to make them homeless. Jimmy Carter is a saint of a person. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what he was like as a president, but ever since then, he, all, his entire life has been dedicated to yeah. Habitat for Humanity. His and he's 90-something years his old. His integrity speaks for himself. He is yeah. like... We, talk, we talked about doing one of those, possibly at some point, the Mount Rushmore of people who, if they we found out something bad about them, we'd go, oh. Yeah. yeah. Carter would be on my short list for mm. that. Well, the, he did tell Playboy that he had impure thoughts. Then in his Playboy interview, yeah, he did. yeah, it was like that. He had, yeah, he had un, impure. Sometimes had unpure or impure yeah. thoughts about women. Yeah, what a jerk. Probably the. Uh, I had impure thoughts about women when we were talking about Babe. <laughs> so like, thinking Farmer Hall gets wife. Well, I don't you know. You could get there. You could get there. <laughs> the whole time you were talking about Jimmy Carter, I thought you were talking about Jay Z. Yeah, I was. Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So, this is the final countdown, the time where I assign point values to the... Not point values. I, I, I give points. You chisel them out. I chisel them out. You take, <laughs> Sorry, a, you take a, a big old effect. chisel, chisel it out. Well, I got this big old chisel and this big old hammer, and it's some marble right here that we're going to etch in. So, David and Goliath, you both chose it, so it's going up there. And... Um, I've never had a 5,001 before, so Leicester City, uh, Mike Tyson, and Buster Douglas, and then the Ninjas, awesome helicopter ninjas, because really hit home. Not my home, but your home. 
This has been the Mount Rushmore of underdogs. Richard? If, if I was a sporting person, I would share that awesome helicopter ninja's point with you, Richard. Oh, but you're not. Bink. Here's <laughs> the, a middle the finger. Middle finger. Right I'm going to cruise away in my Lamborghini. <laughs> Richard? Come on, my I friend. guess the... The panel uh, has evaluated your flash dance performance <laughs> yes. that you've given. <laughs> yes. And we are going to let you into the up, up, uptight ballet school. Yay! <laughs> what a feeling! <laughs> feeling believing! Okay, we're dancing like we never danced before. Thank we're you. We're maniacs. We're maniacs. I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 